could taste sweeter in this town Could it be it's the same as the last? I swear I've seen your face elsewhere before Just as familiar as a bottle and a glass Head darling, sleeping on the black top Head darling, running through the trees, honey Head darling, leaving for the next town Listen, my set sketches up with me Alright everybody, welcome back to episode 5 of the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast I am Shane Poor, and I'm here with Christian Garner, and we have a very special guest joining the podcast with us today over the phone. Christian, do you want to introduce this guy? I'm really excited about this one. We got Sean Lundy with us from Drury Outdoors. Uh, really cool guy. We've talked with him a couple times, you know, leading up to this. We've got a lot of stuff to talk, a lot of stuff to cover here. Yeah, Sean, thank you for joining us today. Yes. No, absolutely. It's been a while. I mean, I think on everyone's end, we've been real busy, and finally it was especially, uh, we tried to get it done the other day, and then today came, and it seemed to be one issue after another, and finally we got everything taken care of, and here we are, so I'm excited. Yeah, it sounded like you had a fairly interesting day today. Yeah, I I mean, it's this time of the year, you know, we're, we're getting done with turkey season, but we're prepping for upcoming deer season, or whatever the case may be, and where um, I, I do a lot of the spraying for my actual annual plots that are going to be going in end of July, beginning of August. But this time of year, I spray and mow my my uh, perennials and stuff like that for uh, my clover and things like that. So yeah. the idea today was, all right, I'm going to go ahead and mow my clover, but I'm going to go ahead and, and I'll spray in a couple of days. So I convinced where I'm getting, where I'm going to get this clover plot put in, it's already established, but to get to it, I've got to get a truck to come in and lay some dirt. There's a big washout, and we're talking like mud. Yeah. And like black mud. Like, you guys ever heard of muck? Oh, yeah. This was like straight. Like, so I, I knew the side by side could make it through it. So I took my, grabbed my daughter, and I said, listen, hopefully, you know, my kids, for the most part, my mom's not around. They see her mom more than me. But <laughs> when she's not around, it's like, so my wife, she works, um, she works uh, from six at night till six in the morning. So we knew she was sleeping. I didn't feel like loading up the bush hog, so we're going to take the zero-turn mower, and we're going to bring this back <laughs> half a mile in the woods. <laughs> but the, the idea is the, the, tra- the trails are pretty nice, but I've got a couple of these washouts, so somehow we made it back there. Yeah. We're laughing, like, okay. So I just you know, told her, I said, hey, hon, get on this side-by-side and just, just start driving around the place, and when I'm done, I'll find you. Yeah. Well, she actually said what she heard. She, she looked over the hill and she could see me standing off the mower and i don't know how this happened my father-in-law fixed it we're blaming it on we're gonna blame it on my wife but (laughs) for her to find out for some reason i'm driving and granted it's not as bumpy as your traditional lawn i mean it's a clover plot they're pretty nice yeah the whole front the whole front end just fell off And, and i knew it because i had it on the highest setting and i'm just clipping the top of the clover so, you know, now I'm burning dirt. I'm like, what's going on here? And I look oh. down. And once I got off, the first thing that came to my mind is, how am I going to get this mower out of this woods? Like, <laughs> there's no way to get it out of here. Yeah. I've got a pretty good sense of humor. My daughter's got a good sense of humor. She's one of those. She's kind of hard to discipline because she smiles. She kind of laughs at inappropriate <laughs> things. But, it's just, I mean, she's a sweetheart. So she comes up, and that's the first thing she says. She's like, gosh, your mom is going to kill you. And by then, I already sent pictures to my father-in-law her grandpa luckily he, he's a man of all trades he's like well it looks pretty easy we can fix that so i'm on the phone with him are you saying we can fix it now or we can fix it tomorrow <laughs> when he when he said now we took the wench on the side by side 
lifted it up in front of it up in the air, like yeah. almost like a tow truck. Had my daughter sit on the mower. We're dragging this thing backwards half a mile out of the woods. Oh my god! And as I'm making turns, we, we got to make sharp turns. So she's she's still using the mower. The mower's running. She's still using which, the sticks. Yeah, I mean, but you know, I <laughs> not knowing really for everybody out there, if you decide and you get your mower stuck in the woods, you actually do not have to keep it running. My my was like, why don't you just reach under it? You can actually put from a latch you can put the mower in neutral yeah so, like got- if you're going so i'll learn that out the hard way but we got it <laughs> fixed and when i got back to the house it was funny because all the kids are they all came out to the trailer and they're they're just laughing hysterical so it was one of those okay who's gonna be here when mom gets up and nobody <laughs> wanted to say so two of them volunteered to go with me no two volunteer if we drop them off at their friend's house <laughs> i went in woke the wife up real woke the wife up real quick i said hey sweetheart i gotta go take the the, the mower to dad's, what's wrong with it? Oh, just something ain't right on. I got to get it looked at. <laughs> that was it. And, and that's what took so long. Otherwise, we would have started this podcast with you guys earlier this morning. But it was a, a whole adventure. Oh, but yeah. That's how, that's how it is. is. Yeah, that's it. We, we added some extra steel to the front of it, though. So we actually went back after the wife went back to work tonight. And we got the rest of the clover mode. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Looks on social yeah, until she looks on social media tomorrow, she's going to find out the real story. But by then, hey, it's fixed. We're good. Well, it's too late to get mad after it's fixed anyway. That's right. So That's right. That's awesome. That's well, awesome. Uh, well, speaking of your kids, we wanted to congratulate you and your son for him winning the uh, trap shoot championship for state. Yeah, that was – that's unbelievable. I mean, he's – you know, he's definitely – he's a different – breed like all of my kids hunt they all are into it you know a little bit but my son cole he's he's like ate up with it he lives and breathes it it's his whole life and and he he's in sixth grade he'll be going into seventh next year and uh, a couple of guys out here i think it's eighth grade or something you can you can join the shooting sports team which is basically trap shooting and stuff like that right. so a couple of friends of mine's running they said we'll just bring your son out there and we brought him out there and you know naturally he's not shooting as good as the seniors are shooting, you know, Yeah. but he started shooting all year. So his scores were up there enough. So when he went to state, he'd be shooting at the varsity level. Yeah. So, which was kind of like, you know, an honor. And it's so for the whole school, it, 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 there's a lot of schools in the state of Indiana that were at this shoot. And here we are in Noble County, Indiana, just out in the sticks to see a school that really only the second year, because last year with COVID, they kind of shut most of it down. Right. Here they are. They go in. Some of these schools have been shooting for 30, 40 years. So these kids go out there this year and they bring their head game and they end up winning the state tournament. Like unbelievable. That's is, awesome. That is know, awesome. Just, so yeah, definitely. It was definitely a very exciting day yesterday. So I guarantee it. I, uh, it's a dad moment that you've got to be proud. I mean, you got to be blown away. Oh, you know, it's one of those things to like your your kids. They always do. It's funny because you know they say watch what you do because your kids watch you. You know yeah. everything you do, whether you're out there. You, I mean, that's why we. I mean, you try to raise them right, but you know, my father's always told me all you can do is put them on the right train and hope you did good because you can't tell them what station to get off at. You know what I'm saying? When they get older, yeah. so you gotta. And it's just <laughs> when I he started trap shooting. Now Cole's been, you know blessed enough to hunt a lot of cool different places with me but when it came time to trap shooting i didn't want him going in there thinking 
well, heck, I've worn a falcon in all over the place. And, and I told him that. I said, it's, when you do this, I want you to try to kind of forget everything I told you about shooting a shotgun. <laughs> because we're hunters, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're out yeah. there, you yeah. shoot different, you're, walk, you're walking through the woods, you're in a blind, you're laying back, whatever the case trap shooting it's a different beast it really and when is. i went out there and watched oh when i seen some of these eighth and ninth grade kids i couldn't hold a candle to them <laughs> if i would like i would love to take these kids not even on a pheasant hunt on a quail hunt or a chucker hunt i mean they're they can shoot you yeah. know and that was his biggest downfall in the beginning but he's so crazy about you know the outdoors and, and shooting and stuff like that he picked up on it it was good that he's shot quite a bit before but realistically it's just going to make him even that much better of a shot so he did it, the coaches i mean they do a phenomenal job and especially like i said to take a young group of kids and to go in and win the state championship is unbelievable so yeah that's awesome that is that's incredible that's awesome well sean i think the first thing we want to get into today um i'm sure us along with everyone um listening to this podcast you have a very interesting background. Christian was telling me a little bit about it. Um, how about we get into your background as far as hunting goes and stuff and how you got into the hunting industry. I mean, getting in with the juries, that's that's quite an accomplishment. They are the best in the industry. I mean, Very much so. Yeah, you know, it's definitely very humbling. I, You know, to this day, being on the jury's team and you look at some of the you know, Mark and Terry, and then everybody that they have brought on. I mean, there's some heavy hitters out there. You know, some oh, yeah. guys that are just powerhouses, big whitetail killers. And it's to this day, it's still a little bit intimidating, but not as much because it can't. It became like a big family. You know, everybody supports each other. But when I when I first came on, we'll go back. I don't know, four, five, six years ago, maybe. I I've always watched Drews for over thirty years. I was, and what I liked about them is. They kept it real. Yeah, like right. you, you've seen them. You've seen the misses on TVs. You've seen this. It's. It wasn't just hey, we go out there, we got to kill a giant, you know. Yeah, right. And it kind of it. It really touched home with me. So I've always, you know, tried to start filming my own hunts, and it's always hard to sell film and everything. So I'm filming my own hunts, this and that, and, and I, I just wrote a letter to Drury Outdoors, and actually, you know, it was probably about a month or so after that. I'm sitting in the house and. I get this letter back from, you know, out in Missouri. I'm like, Drury Outdoors. I'm like, oh, you know, bullcrap. This can't be real, you know? So <laughs> I open it up expecting this typed letter, you know, from, and at the bottom, you know, signed just Drury Outdoors Incorporated or something, you know? Yeah. And it's actually a handwritten letter from Terry Drury. Oh, wow. You know, and right, and don't get me wrong, Dave, they're so busy. I mean, they've got so many things going on for them. But Mark and Terry do make their way to the studio here that you know what I'm saying it's the business and and they are they're not just you know they're very involved with it it's a big family thing yeah so you know they might not be able to read all of them, but it just took a point that i don't know maybe something i wrote in the letter must have said hey you know why don't you write back to this guy yeah you know right. i should say guy at the, at the time i was probably a, a young adult you know talking maybe 20 years ago so i just at that point i'm like oh this is awesome i got a letter back and it's not that i didn't care about being on juries then but it almost like it took care of the fix. I'm like, that's cool. You know, they, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, you know, and they acknowledged it. Yeah. So a little while goes after that. And I started talking, you know, going to trade shows and stuff and meeting some of the guys from juries and everything. And 
um, spending some time with them at the trade shows, just picking their brain on some, you know, things that they do and camera equipment and stuff. And I became, you know, somewhat pretty decent friends with some of the guys that were on the shows. So then fast forward, you know, to about, well, rewind for us about five, six years. But from that time, fast forward about 10 years, I uh, actually go ahead and send some more footage in and stuff. And I get a phone call from Matt Drury. And he's like, hey, listen, um, I don't know, you know, what you got going on, if you're busy, but we would like to, you know, why don't you go ahead and film a turkey hunt and tell us a little bit about your job and your, your career and stuff. And what was interesting about it is I started a long time ago, over 20 years ago, working in the correctional part of law enforcement. Yeah. And I made my made my way up to working as a regular road officer, working the highway, and then eventually made myself over as working as a task force agent for one of the federal agencies. So I started working a lot of undercover and narcotics and everything. And at this time I was just starting to work less undercover and run more informants and actually be more of like the investigation part of it. Yeah. So I ended up filming this Turkey hunt down at our property in Southern Illinois. And then I also did some filming of stuff of just my everyday life, my family, you know, how, you know, law enforcement is looked at you know these days and you know what we deal with and i just gave it to them and they they did this awesome you know dod episode on on their uh dod tv segment and it, it ended up like going really good like people were very supportive about it and then they ended up airing it on the sportsman's channel for um jury's well it's winchester's jury's natural born show yeah so they did that and then it was the very following year when Critical Mass came out, which has kind of took over for Dream Season on yeah. the Outdoor Channel. Yeah, yeah. They said, hey, listen, we've got a guy that backed out. We got a, an opening. Would you like to be on the on the show this year? So at first I'm thinking like, <laughs> yeah, you know, instantly it was just like, yes, I'll never oh, forget where I was. I yeah. was in a parking oh, yeah. lot on my, on my way back from a hunt. I told Matt, I'm like, yeah, like this is a no-brainer. But, you know, before I hung up, I'm like, hey, like, I... I, I am the everyday guy, Matt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm not going to bring three or four 150, 160-inch deer to the table. Like, I, I can't I can't do that, you know? It yeah. just it, right. the, the ground I hunt, and he's like, no, 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 go ahead. It's fine, you know? Just get out there and just do your thing. So now, you know, the season starts, and I'm, I'm you know, trying to record everything. All of us prepping food plots, doing whatever. But I, I just included some of my just goofy everyday life stuff, you know, and stuff that I do with my family. And the first year came on and, um, uh, Greg Glessinger, he ends up, it, it's, you vote on by the cast members. There was 12 of us and, you know, they voted on who was, you know, we thought was the winner of critical mass. Yeah. So I go, you know, we go ahead and he ended up killing a 200 inch deer with a bow. So, I mean, that's like the pinnacle. Everybody wants that. So we're like, man, this is a no brainer. This guy killed it this year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, after it was, after it was over, like on episode 13 on the outdoor channel, you know, Matt says, Hey, you know, now it's your, your turn, the viewers as the fan to vote who you think was, you know, fan favorite. Yeah. Well, the next morning I get up, you know, we're all congratulating Greg. He won, you know? So I get up the next morning, I get a phone call that I ended up winning fan favorite. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, that's pretty oh, wow. cool, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. So then, then you, you, we go back to, you know, season two, and we do the whole critical mass thing again, We, you know, and, and I'm just bringing, you know, 100, and to me, they're good deer, you know, 125 to 135, maybe 140 inch deer to the table, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, well, deer know, that I, everyone's happy with. Two, yeah, episode two, I probably killed the smallest deer 
total on the entire 13 episodes that year. <laughs> then at the end of the year, the winner of the show is actually voted on this time by the people at home. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, you know, we'll see what happens. And then sure enough, I'm watching episode 13 because some of it's, you know, pre-recorded. And I didn't, you know, and I went, they're sitting there and Matt's like, and the winner is, and we're waiting. Up. You know, I got some ideas of who I think is going to win. And sure enough, that right there on watching the Outdoor Channel, the whole family, they say, call out Sean Lundy. And it was like, my whole, my kids are jumping. Everyone's excited. <laughs> I look at my so wife. Awesome. I'm like, you know, like, hey, is this a joke? Like, did someone send you a DVD? Is this for, like, I got tears in my eyes. Cannot believe this. You know, I'm yeah. like, so I, awesome. you know, and, and I'll never forget it. I walked out on the porch that night because some of the guys from the team were calling me, congratulating me. And it, I, I get that phone call that, like, everybody wants to get. And it's from Mark Gurry, you know? Yeah. And Mark's like, hey, buddy, can I talk to you for a second? I'm like, yeah, what's up? And, and that's it. I told him, you know, it's like, hey, Mark, I promise you, you know, I'm going to try to up my game next year. And this, you know, and he brought up a good point. And this is why juries will always be so special in my heart. You know, it's like, he said, listen, you know, just keep being you. Don't, like, don't try to hunt to some, you know, someone else's standards. And he kind of put it in perspective that that's what we have to do. You know, when you go out there, it's your hunt. Yeah. You know, stop thinking, well, hey, I've got to shoot this deer because the neighbors are going to be happy. Well, if you shoot a smaller deer and the neighbors are not happy, do you really care if the neighbors are not happy or are you not happy? That's yeah, different exactly. if you try to try to do some management and you and your neighbors are all working on the same thing because then it becomes like a small little hunting club, a hunting family, you're into it. Yeah. But if you're out there and you're limited time and you're trying to do it, I mean, it's your hunt. You know, make it about your hunt. Make it about your family, those memories. And it's pretty much been a unbelievable you know, emotional roller coaster ride ever since, you know, living a dream to be honest. So Yeah, that's 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 awesome. Yeah, that's an incredible story. I mean yeah. I'd kinda of looked into it a little bit and, you know, I'd heard similar or parts of that, you know, bits and pieces of that beforehand. And I knew it was an amazing story. I was that's awesome to hear the full part of that. That is that's awesome. Well and that's Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I love what you say at the end of it because so much of the hunting industry now it's like people deer shaming each other if you're happy with a deer and you're proud to wrap your tag around it go for it i mean absolutely it's going on your wall it's going in your freezer and it kills me to see people kill a deer and they won't even post it on social media because they're afraid they'll get Uh, shamed and that's that's bullcrap that's so stupid drives me absolutely nuts like social media is so good for networking but yet it's so bad it's you know everything's got good and bad and social media can be so evil at times the fact that you know look how the world is going right now yeah they are attacking our second amendment they are attacking our hunting they are attacking um you know and i I hate to say just something the other day the the anti-hunting community and i'm the type of person you could sit me in a room with anybody anti-hunting whatever and when i leave i want to make sure everybody's smiling i'm going to try to make everybody laugh you know i just I, i try to get along with everybody now there's this big drive they're pushing that, you know, animals are people too, you know, we need to be kept. And it's like, no, they're not. I mean, we've got to go back to the basics. No, they're not. I mean, there, we have canines in our mouth. They're, they're, God gave us to them for a reason. Yeah. Not for chewing lettuce. Okay. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's, and when social media comes and we start smashing these younger hunters, whether you're six years old or 13, 14, 15 years old, and, like we need to be promoting that. Like we've all been there. We have all shot. It's brown and down. And I'm originally, I was born and raised in New York. You know, half my family to this day out in New York, and I'm proud of it. They're still, if it's brown, it's down. I mean, they go out oh, yeah. there. 
they're hunting for the meat they're hunting for the memory absolutely why would you want to try to because i'm here to tell you the social media part of it a lot of the people out there that are posting on social media and are knocking those people man you should have go ahead and let that beer done they're probably just like the rest of us they, they're not the, these greatest hunters like it's just you know you look at people that are constantly killing 160s 170s 180s it's probably about 10% of your hunters out there. Yeah. Right. So or less. if we start smashing the other 90%, you fast forward 20 years from now, it doesn't look good for the hunting industry. No, not it's at all. It doesn't look good for the hunting world. I mean, it's going to shut down hunting. We need hunters. Well, and everyone needs to band together. I mean, not yeah. everybody is hunting southern Iowa in places, and those are magical places where you have a chance at killing 170, 180-inch deer, but... Like us, we are in the mountains of North Carolina. If you kill a 150-inch deer up here, everyone three counties around is talking about you for two or three years. Yeah, I mean, abs- just, I was just going to say that. Not two or three months, years. Yeah, two or three years. You did something. I still have. I killed a deer three years ago that scored 156. It was just a, a dumb fluke. A deer showed up at the right place at the right time. I didn't even know he was in the area. And I still have people stopping me that have heard about it and want to see pictures of it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a rare thing and it's not everybody has that opportunity. If you see a 120 inch deer, I mean, my redneck comes out, I see a 130 inch deer walk out. I don't, I don't care if I have 170 inch deer on the property or 160. I've got enough redneck in me. I'm going to shoot at it. I'm going to sling something at it. Right. I'm filming hunts, and I'm here to tell you when the 130 walks out, I'm already pull, pulling back on the string. You dang right. It's, just, it's, it's so, but you know, and that's what you know. The juries they understand that, and a lot of the guys on the team are from so many different places in the United States, oh. and they they understand that you well, know. And it's and a lot of your bigger shows are starting to that were really you know, popular and out there, there, a lot of them still have the same things. You know, when I go to a lot of these trade shows and some may be disappointed, but for the most part, you know, you'll see the young, younger hunters and stuff walk up to them. And that's the one thing that's still special about the hunting world. People are, you know, still there. Some of the big names are still trying to keep it together and pull it together. Yeah. It's, it's the people out there that try to say, well, you know, I'll have people talk to me and, you know, it's not that they're trying to impress us, but it's like, hey, listen, you know, I seen this deer, I passed it up, and I almost want to say, hey, bullcrap, you don't got to tell me, man. Like, <laughs> you can come with me and hunt with me, and I'm going to let you kill that deer because I'm going to too. You know, like, like right. we're not the people that are on TV. A lot, we're a lot of us have every day, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy hour a week jobs. We're just blessed with this awesome opportunity to document our adventures in the field and share it with you guys that's that's the majority i mean some of them truly make a career out of it and i'm sure that's all of our dream one day you know (laughs) but for the most part i mean we're there just to represent you know the the hunting community so yeah absolutely absolutely and that's the reason you i think that you the fans of the critical mass show they they appreciate you so much is because you do keep it real and you show it from a normal guy perspective and it comes across through the television. People appreciate that. Oh, yes. Good time. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that, too. I mean, that people have seen that, and it's, I mean, for as long as I'm filming, you're going to you're gonna see, you know, good shots. You're going to see bad shots. You're going to see mediocre shots, and but you're going to see everything that has to go with those shots. Yep. Right. I mean, the, the following up, and it's, it's realistic, and it's, you know, some people are, oh, I can't believe he, you know, he missed her. I can't believe he messed up. It's like, 
man, if, it's if you go out there and it's a chip shot to you every time, why are you even hunting? Like, exactly. find something else that's a challenge to you. Right. you know? Yeah, if you don't get excited doing this, you sh- you should be doing well, something I, else. I mean, I still I get tore up the, over a doe. So so do I. If, uh, I'll go out there and it's funny. It's and we do so much. I mean, some people you know ask that you know how does the camera get involved now from not having it? Yeah, it's a little different, but you know some of them are real close friends, if not. You know, my children and a wife, like, we're filming each other, and it's, like, I don't think, like, my children don't know, I don't know if they'll ever know what it's like to hunt by yourself. Yeah. Because we are we are always together, and it could be a good thing, and it could be a bad thing, but to me, I mean, you're you're sharing that moment in the stand with somebody, you know, it, the time goes by a little faster, and you just, but, you know, while we're doing that, it's, you know, I, I could be sitting there and trying to go after one deer that I knew was in the area and those are passing by and I'll just look back at the camera calm as can be. And then the next morning I'll go out there with my son and I'll say, Hey buddy, listen, we're going to shoot the first doe that comes in today. We're going to try to fill some of them tags, put some meat in the freezer. And now here comes a doe walking through and I lose it. You swear I'm getting ready to kill a 170. <laughs> like, I, like you can see the tree branches and I've actually had my son say, God, relax, calm down, calm down. Like, I just <laughs> absolutely lose it. Yeah. But, you know, it's, there's no feeling out there like it. Right. That's, a, that's what it's all about. That's I feel like exactly that's one right. of the things a, a lot of people have been kind of upset with some of the big TV shows is they get their hopes up thinking, well, if my hunt don't go like that, or if I go out and I, if I don't see 10 deer in one set, they get upset about it. And that's what, I, that's what one of the things we were trying to show people as well as, as, as you are. That's the real part of it. Sometimes you won't see a deer, period. Get excited when you see a doe come out. Exactly. You know, let let you feel and run. I mean, it's it's exciting. Everything about it. If you're not excited about a doe or seeing any game, that is. I mean, we were out there. I mean, get excited about it. You know, people like, and I know, that, and I was the same, like, when you watch it, you got a, a 30-minute episode to watch, you know? And by the time they throw the commercials and everything else in there, you probably got about 14, 15 minutes of hunting. So you see all these great encounters and stuff, but what they're not saying, and this is really you know, going back to try to actually, you know, defend the, the, the people that are hunting on TV and the shows is you, you look at somebody that, you know, okay, man, I, I seen that guy hunt last year, man, he killed three absolute giants and you watch both of his shows and all of a sudden in that 15 minutes that you're watching, you've seen 40, 50 different deer. Yeah. yeah. But what you may not be knowing is, okay, he's showing his, you know, his adventure that week or that month in Kansas or whatever. And that one day he has five or six deer and they're pre-rolling that and they're showing it moving through. But what they're not showing, because there's not time for it, is the four or five days straight where it was bad weather or where the movement was low or, or something just wasn't where, you know, these guys are putting from sun up to sundown. You know, they go back, they work a week, they, yeah, yeah. you know, or work two, three weeks back home. Then they take a week off and they're back in the woods and, you know, they might have put hours and hours in the stand and they're putting almost you know if you look at three successful hunts for a hunter that's filming for the outdoor industry you're looking at four months of hunting every chance they can get for three kills yeah you you know it's you know what they're not seeing is that they just didn't granted there are places where are magical you know i've been to those places and, and filmed at them and and you're there and it's, yeah, you get the, the, the nights where you may see, you know, 15, 20 deer and maybe two or three shooters. 
And those are the same places I may go back to every year. And we'll talk about, hey, man, do you remember in 2017, that one night when we had, oh, man, that was awesome. That was a, Those days aren't, you know, and that's why they use that footage to kind of show the viewers at home, hey, this is a magical moment, you know? It's, yeah, right. it's not something, you when you're hunting fair chase and it's not fenced in, that, that's that's how it is. I mean, those, it's it's not an everyday thing. But yeah, you, but when you see the TV show, you're like, my gosh, man, like, like I'm doing something wrong. You know, when right. you get out there. Yeah. But, so. Well, I'm, I'm glad you was able to hit on that because that was one of the things we've talked about a lot is, is how people see that and they don't realize they're going through the same thing. It's just how it's all put together. Yeah. It, it puts people in a, in a bad, or in a, in a bad place as, as far as thoughts go about it. Yeah. They get downhearted about it. And that's one thing I feel you like know, we can need to get to my son. Cole, it's, you know, everybody's watched him so much on TV in the last few years and all these good deer he's killing. And this year will come and go and no one will think about it. And hopefully this upcoming season, he's able to, you know, put a, you know, a few decent deer down for himself and if you fast forward five years, it'll look like, hey, man, this guy's always killing. This little kid's always killing big deer. But now it's not exactly how it goes down. Because if you look at this year's this year coming up, which should be coming out in July, yeah, there'll be a lot of cool cool encounters with my son Cole and things he's done. Yeah, but actual harvests, he harvests two does the entire season. Yeah, but yeah. you know, and and it, we went. There's times when he took off his whole christmas break you know at home trying to get it done i mean that's the kids are out of school for seven eight days and it's every evening after i get off work i'm taking them out so that's almost two weeks when we probably might have seen seven eight deer in two weeks then you you know you go to the early season youth season he never had a chance here he was trying to get it done with the bow in indiana but then he's allowed you know with school we let him go ahead and take one week off a year where, you know, you could pick it for turkey or you can pick it for deer where he can go with me someplace and, and hunt. And, you know, he usually picks the deer hunting. But this year, you know, we went out of state for a week, week and a half. We timed it right with the way school was. And we might have seen three or four deer. Never had the opportunity. But you're not, you know, and that's something that doesn't make the show. And, you, you know, but you look at it like what he actually did to get to that point, you know. Right. There's a yeah. lot of time in the stamp. <laughs> that's it. And that's exactly right. Well, let's switch gears just a little bit. A um, few things you were talking about going out of state and stuff, just kind of things I'm curious about. What is your favorite area to hunt of all the places that you've got to hunt? What is your favorite state to hunt? Oh, I don't know. That's a close one. I, I To actually hunt, I filmed in some amazing places. But, you know, you, you start getting down south and, you know, Oklahoma and Texas are such a target-rich environment. Yeah. And, you know, it would be between that and Nebraska. Because when I go to Nebraska, it may not be as target-free as, you know, it is in Oklahoma or Texas. But the deer up there, to me, act more more like the deer where I'm from in Indiana act but just more of them. Like yeah. the rut is so intense. Like you, you actually see, you know, some sparring and you, the scrape activity. And, you know, in Nebraska, you've got those big shouldered, big neck, you know, Midwestern bucks. And my yeah. buddy Lowell has a couple places, a couple places out there that he leases that I go in on them. And it's, I've hunted there five, six years now. Mm-hmm. And I've only harvested two years. 
and it's one of those places I just I look back I look forward to going back there every year. That's, it's that's, just, you know, I mean, uh, I've been and here I, me and my wife, we own a a little farm down in Southern Illinois, which is a great place to hunt. You know, we've harvested some great deer there over the last 15, 20 years. But there's just, you know, there's some something special about Nebraska to me. I don't know. That's interesting you say that because I've been doing a lot of research into Nebraska, and I have some friends that go up there and hunt public ground and have great success up there. It's kind of one of those states that everybody kind of overlooks. And yeah, it's you know, because just, you're automatically thinking, you know, Texas, Kansas, yeah. you know, Iowa, Illinois. You're not thinking of Nebraska, but Nebraska's got some slammers. They've I mean, got some, some monsters. Midwestern corn-fed deer. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's interesting that you say that. That's awesome. All right, I think the next thing we want to get into, Sean, uh, just kind of go with us if you can – how you did last season? How did your uh, turkey season, how did your deer season go last year? Um, I guess we'll start with the, the turkey season. Well, turkey season went great. I mean, it's we were able to harvest a few birds in the state of Illinois over on our little piece of ground we have there. Um, now we came back home to Indiana. We went to a few other places and we were able to punch some tags. And Indiana was special because it's when I get back to our home state, it's one of those, it's it's trying to get everybody in the family, you know, yeah. son, daughters, wife, everybody get their tags filled. And the kids all got a rule, including the wife. I don't get to even get behind the gun until all their tags are filled. Yeah. So yeah. it's like down to the grind. I mean, my wife literally <laughs> harvested her bird. I believe it was on the last day this year on Mother's Day morning where we were at. It was snowing. We, I, but... You know, it's just, it's been a grind. We put a lot, I, I would probably say, if you measure success on, on the birds you've harvested this year, this would have been one of our top years. Yeah. But if you measured on the grind, as far as turkey season goes, <laughs> and how much going into it, because there's sometimes, I mean, you go out there and, I, I don't I mean, you can make the worst calls in the world and do everything wrong, and, and sometimes they just come charging in. Yeah. Right. And then this year, it's like we tried to do everything right, and it was either they pitched down the wrong way, or they were hand up, or it was just we had to make a move and another move and another move. And but we we were able to get it all done and get everybody's tags punched. My son Cole, he was actually able to harvest his first deer, or not his first deer, his first turkey ever with the bow. Which to this day, I still have not done when when no, he punched his tag in Illinois this year. Yeah, he we doubled up in Illinois. He said when we go back to Indiana, he said, "Hey, it's." You know, I'm just, you know, I don't care. I got a bird that was awesome. I'll film you, but when it, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to kill my Indiana bird with a bow. And I'm like, well, that's fine. I mean, you want to, maybe try to use a crossbow or, or how about we'll try opening weekend or youth weekend. And if that don't work, then we'll use the gun. And he's like, no, I'm just going to do it with the bow. And he got out there, even though, you know, on his second, third day, and we had four of them come in and he's back. There's actually a little clip I put of the second angle footage on Instagram I mean, it seemed like he was drawn back forever. You know, he just, <laughs> oh, yeah. just so, I mean, he loses it after the shot goes off. I lose it more than he does when I know the hit was good. But, I mean, he just pulls back so smooth. And he just, I mean, he holds it there like a rock star. And wow. like, I mean, I don't know if I could do that when I was 12 years old. But yeah, that's so awesome. it was definitely a pretty special turkey season. And as far as the deer season goes, like, you know, that was a struggle. But a lot of it was because this timing with work and getting off and 
when, when we did get off the weather, what, you know, shifted or changed. I mean, there was times where Oklahoma is usually an awesome state for us early season. And it was just, you know, anywhere from 95 to 101, 102 degrees, windy as can be. You know, so we struggled there the, the first week we went down there. And, but we, we were able to, to get it done. Ultimately, my son, like I said, he was able to harvest a few does. I shot a um, respectful deer in Nebraska with the bow. I was able to other in Oklahoma. I was able to get another one with the Matthews and then able to punch another Oklahoma tag with the Winchester. So I mean, overall, awesome. it was a successful season. I mean, this year we're going to try a few different things. I mean, we're still going to head to Nebraska and have Illinois and stuff, but I'm going to venture out to a, a friend of mine out in New York, where I'm originally from. He's got a place that he invited me on over in Kansas. So I'm pretty excited about that. Oh, I guarantee it. It's going to be new, new hunting because like we were out there for turkey season this year and it was just like, when you look, you're like, man, there's no way, like, how can there be (laughs) these, these big deer around here? Like you can like, you can watch your dog run away for like four days. You know, it's like, it's just, you can literally, it's just like, there's no end, but like, there's just, just these little draws and like. And even turkey hunting was different. Like you had, you might have places where it's four or 5,000 acres, not a turkey around. And then all of a sudden you dip down the next country road and you come up and there's just a little, like a little river bottom with some trees on it and some woods and it, it may hurt, may hold a hundred, 150 turkeys. Yeah, but now insane. you go to the next tracks that's five, 600 yards away and the neighbors, they've never seen a turkey. Yeah, It's yeah. just, it's very different hunting out there, but those are the ones that when you start hunting somewhere new, you really gotta, don't be afraid to, I mean, you, you've gotta listen to the people that you're out there hunting with, you know, right. cause it is a different strategy. It's, you know, I, I'm, originally hunting new york and if you go into the Catskills and the adirondack mountains it's probably a lot like you know where you guys hunt i mean it's hard country you're like sitting on a rock you know at times they would do deer drives you're just waiting to you know when you filled your tag i mean you did something you didn't you weren't you weren't looking for 130 140 inch deer i mean if someone shot you know a 90 to a 105 inch deer up there like it stayed on the roof of your car driving home and every neighbor in the world came out, came over to look for it, you know? So, yeah. Right. But I'll tell you what, you take hunters like where you're from and you take hunters where I'm originally from in New York and you, how hard you guys hunt and what you have to do to try to get out there and punch those tags and you bring you guys out in the Midwest, believe it or not, you guys would just eat it up. It's just, you know, a lot of people, it's, you know, well, hunters out in the Midwest are much better because, let I me mean, look at the guys in the East Coast. They're not killing with the – a lot of it is they don't have the opportunities. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and they don't have yeah. the lights set up. You know, it's when I came out here, I was telling my buddies, and that's how I really grew to be a different hunter because the first year I'd come out here, I'm like, all right, I get one buck tag and three doe tags. And I just went out in the tree, and I'm like, all right, first buck walked by, and it might have been a, you know, 80, 85-inch deer. I'm like, man, that's a, that's a stud deer for me. You know, I shoot the deer and – I shoot the doe and go out the weekend later. I'm like, I'm out of tags. And I call my friends from New York. I'm like, man, I'm tagged out. I killed four deer. They're like, yeah, whatever, man. You haven't killed four deer in the last 10 years in New York. How did you do it? (laughs) But it's just, you know, and that's when I learned, okay, you know, I can wait a little bit, you know, and try to, you know, let's wait and pass a couple deer up. But definitely different atmosphere. So, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. We're, we're in the process of trying to get some hunts lined up in the midwest uh, i'm going to illinois this year uh, got my fourth preference point for iowa 
today. Oh, good, good. So we're we're trying to get out there. We're doing That's everything it. we can to get to get out that way. I mean, it's just a whole different ball game when you start hunting oh. places like that. What part of Illinois are you going to? I am going to around the town of Lomax, Illinois. It's right across the river from Iowa. Oh, okay, yeah. So you're up. Uh, it'd be more like West Central. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Very, very good hunting up there. Like extremely I'm, good. I'm excited. I mean, I'm very excited. The guy that I'm going with, he seems like a a stand up guy. Um, we sell tractors here, as well as hunting and rifles and all that stuff and um our bush hog rep for bush hog brand implements he uh oh, really? turned me on to this guy and he's he's been hunting with this guy for a couple of years and he gave me his contact information so that's how i got set up with that but i'm excited oh, i'm very excited see if i would have had a bush hog i i, I wouldn't have used a white <laughs> zero turn today yeah yeah, you, yeah i'm not not bringing it up though i mean i'm just saying yeah for sure for sure it could have kept you out of some hot water oh yeah Gosh, but, well and, you can that, that mower's reinforced now there's no way that bad boy's gonna break again. Right. exactly so some extra steel to the front end yeah all you were doing was product testing and making it better for That's her right. so she'll stay safe yeah, she needs to understand that this thing is a multi-tool now. I mean, it does yard work, and I mean, I heck, I can probably cut corn silage with it. This there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, I mean, if your food plots aren't manicured like your lawn, you're doing something wrong anyway. Right. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, well, speaking of food plots, um, we're starting deer prep right now. Uh, we've got our beans and stuff in the ground. What kind of stuff do you get into as far as just your early season or your preseason prep? Um, routines yeah, it, and stuff. You know, a lot of it goes by different parts of the states. And now, you guys are from, what you guys are, North Carolina? Yes, sir. Or, yeah, so you're probably down in that area. You guys aren't too far off from where you are. I mean, you guys are probably able to get your crops in the ground a little bit faster than us because of the warm temperatures. But this time of the year, I mean, I've been doing it enough years now and I've learned a lot. Like, I, I'm keeping the clover in check. Um, getting, you know, whatever beans and corn I got to get in the ground, plant all my buffers. And a lot of my buffers I'll plant, I'll mix like a Egyptian wheat, and I actually mix the corn in with it. Mm-hmm. So it builds, it's just kind of like, like a screen. And on the other side of those will be my, you know, annual plots that I'll be putting in last week of July, first week of August. Now when you do and, these you know, buffers, are you putting them in between like, areas with roads where you can't see in or just areas where some roads but some of them are um just you know might be little places back in the woods and i have i might be having a blind one place and i'm if i'm coming in from the backside, it's going to screen me coming in or something that's going to screen me walking out i got you and then what i also do for the for the buffers is if you've got a plot that you know especially for archery hunting that's i don't know it might be, I mean, I'm the type of person, don't get me wrong, I mean, everybody likes to practice and be able to shoot, you know, 30, 40 yards. You, you can see how worked up I get on TV in a tree. Like, <laughs> I, I mess up on 17 yards. Like, I try to keep them deer, you know, un, undetected as possible, but, you know, try to get that 20, 25-yard shot. So, in some of my food plots, I will plant, you know, I'll till up an area, and I'll plant the Egyptian wheat, and the corn. I actually just broadcast it. I broadcast it right in. I roll it with the Packer Max right over the top of it, which actually somewhat makes it come up 
like in rows because when them grooves go in, they kind of fall into there. Yeah. But it grows so thick when you put that Egyptian wheat in with the corn that 99% of the time, deer will not walk through it. Gotcha. Which okay. some people look at like, well, that ain't good that I'm in the plot. But what I'll do is I'll start that at the corner of the plot and say you have a plot that's 80 yards wide. When you're in a tree stand, you can see right over that buffer. Like, yeah. no problem. So you can see the whole plot. But when the deer come out and they start working their way out in front of you, if you got to see a deer but you can't harvest it, I mean, what, what good is your setup? Yeah. So I will actually say, okay, I, I want these deer. I may start at the top end of the plot. I'll bring the strip right down. And it almost acts like a barrier. So when they come out, now if they walk to the right side of it, they got plenty of clover or plenty of radishes, whatever they have over there to eat. But in the center, I will, when this stuff's probably about a foot tall, I'll go ahead and not bush hog. I'll use, now that I got this awesome mower reinforced, <laughs> I'll just mow a strip right to the center of that and it stops growing. Yeah. You know, because you actually cut it down. Yeah. So when they come down in that, now they're they're kind of forced to stay within shooting range of you. I got so I mean it's almost like putting up a fence, but the good thing about it is they'll still they're eating off this fence. Sometimes I'll even mix like cow peas or beans in with, and it grows up and it keeps all the corn and everything together. But them deer will come and they'll just browse right off that. Yeah. Now as the snow comes, I don't know if you guys get much, but by us when the snow comes, they'll start to knock that down. Yeah. And as it knocks it down, then the, the deer know it. They come right back in there and. Some of the states I'm in, you can bush hog your corn. Like, so you just, you know, mow it. Some of the states you can't. But, you know, nevertheless, you still have food that's up there, but it's still acting for, for a barrier. So you can actually, it helps for access in and out. So I'm planting a lot of them now, which work good. But then what I'm also doing is my plots that were planted into radishes and turnips and stuff like that, whatever biologic I'm sticking in the ground, they don't go into June and July. Yeah. Or I mean, the end of July, beginning of August. Well, you don't, you don't want to go out there, you know. And I've done it before. It's like, hey, you know, I'm going to go work that plot. All right, I'll do it next weekend. I'll, I'll till it up, plant it, and you get out there, and it's an entire summer of growing. I mean, you've got weeds and saplings head high. Yeah. You, you got to go ahead. You can't just bush hog that and plant because so that all that stuff's on the ground. Yeah. You can't just. You can't just disc. So what I do is I get in there now with chemicals. And for instance, I just did that a couple weeks ago. And I burnt them plots. And then I yeah. went in this weekend and I checked them. And they're pretty much burnt now. So I'll go back in and I, I may go back in in a month and just hit it again and keep them burnt down with chemicals. Or I may go back in and just add my lime or just extra fertilizer and then just work it into the ground. Basically keeping that stuff worked. Yeah. Because... Planning is also, especially when you're working class guys like us, you can't sit home and say, I'll decide what day to plant this week. You may only have one or two days, and as soon as the weather's right, you've got to get in there. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. So I like to have them ready so when it comes time, heck, next weekend looks like a good day. I don't have to do nothing but go out there, work the ground, seed it, roll it, and I'm out of there. Yeah, yeah. That, like you say, maintenance is everything. It makes it where you're not fighting the weeds and oh, fighting everything it's just we deal with the same thing we've got a, a lease about three hours from here and it's the same thing like you say you've got a scheduled weekend where you can go down there and whether it's sunny raining or whatever it's only it may be the only time you can get there yep and if you've done a little bit of prep work and done a little bit of maintenance over the summer like you say it makes it so much easier 
So oh, yeah, I'd rather do a little bit here or there, and then when it, and, you know, just I mean, it kind of sounds goofy, but just getting in the house tonight, knowing that I do have that that plot mode. When I was out there today, all the other plots are still burnt down. They look good. They're to the ground. Like now, I'm thinking, man, I really got nothing more to do besides maintain the trails and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and start running cameras and seeing, you know, seeing what's happening this summer. Yeah. But when you yeah, just wait, you know, I'm just waiting for what traditionally the food plot, you know, now's a lot of your row crops and grains, but you know, food plot season, it is all summer, but I want to throw a make ready when the majority of the food plots go in. And that's at the end of the summer, your fall plots that are mostly going to be your green plots. Those are the ones that you're going to be harvesting a lot of your deer off of early season, right up about till it really starts getting cold. Then that's when those deer will switch to those row crops that you're putting in now, the corn and beans. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a specific food plot food plot mixture that is kind of your go to, your favorite, or do you just plant depending I mean, on the use area? A lot, of, a lot of different stuff from Biologic, but if I two plots that I had to come, it, you know, if, if there's only that you got a farm and you only can pick seeds, I'd go with their Biologic clover mm-hmm. because one, it keeps it in there for a while, or I'd go with their deer radishes. The deer radishes is sometimes when you plant turnips and stuff like that, not all of it, but a lot of times the deer usually don't mess with the turnips or the greens until you get that first frost. Yeah. And then the sugars go into it and they start hitting the tops. And then come late, late winter, they start ripping the bulbs out of the ground. Yeah. Well, those yeah. deer radishes, they're basically look like they're like huge, yellow, white looking. A lot of them call them like tillage radishes and they break the ground up. But when those big green lettuce looking stuff, like the heads of them are on it, as soon as they start coming up, deer, it's one of the only ones out there, it doesn't have to frost. They are pounding that in September and October. Yeah. Like absolutely annihilating it. And then they're eating the bulbs throughout the rest of the year. So That's awesome. That's yeah. It's fairly new. Some of them call it deer. I mean, they're also it's like a daikon radish, but uh, Biologic has got it. It's literally it's just called their deer radishes. It's, I've been at some places where I planted them. I've been at some places where I planted it for friends around here, and I'll plant it one year, and it's like they just tear them up like there's nothing. But I have had some people that no matter where you're at and what you plant, you can even plant clover, and if they've never seen it before, the deer in the area, sometimes they just pick it or whatever for a year. Then when that late season comes and it's February and there's nothing left, they annihilate it. Yeah. Well, the following year when you plant it again, you better double the size you plant because now that they know what it is, then they just absolutely just hammer it until there's nothing left. Oh, yeah. yeah, we actually had that exact situation happen on our lease in South Carolina. The landowner's son planted some uh, radishes and turnips one year, and they didn't touch them until, like you say, late winter. And then the next year, we went in and planted a bunch of them, and they just destroyed them. I mean, and we we absolutely tore the deer up on those plots. Just like you said, because they were familiar with it at that point. Yeah, yeah, they know where it is. They know that's an area that's going to have food, and that's the other secret to it. Like, you start pulling those deer, and they start realizing there's food over there, and it's something that's palatable and digestible. It's you almost create create more work for yourself because now the deer in the area they know that you've got to have it there for them every year now. Because yeah. if you don't, when they come looking for it, they're not. They're going to go somewhere else. Absolutely. Yep. 
Well, man, I, I've learned a ton here in the last few minutes. I've just been quiet just listening. Just, yeah. Just because I've learned a ton right there for the last little bit. But we've kept you here just about all night, it seems like. We've kept you here for a little for a little while. No, that's the one thing. <laughs> like, I, I know. I just love... I, I told my wife, like, we, we're we literally a family of seven. We've got five kids, one boy and four girls. So, like, everybody wants to kind of have their own little man cave and this and that. But, like, my entire house has just turned into, like, a big she cave. Like, there's <laughs> just me and my son. There's, so we're trying to get ourselves a little, build something a little outside. And it's basically just for, like, I mean, a lot of time the buddies will come over and we'll just be sitting on the porch, you know, when it's bad weather. Man, I just... I get out there, I talk hunting all night. You know, I said, now I'm going to have a place. I can go ahead, relax, get in there. You know, have, if it's in the evenings, guys can come over, have a cold beer, and just talk hunting. I mean, yeah. that's just, yeah. I can do it all night long. That's, so. that's, that's it. That's why we've done this podcast, because we can sit and talk about it all day long. Yeah, so absolutely. Like, never get tired of it. But, man, we really, really, really appreciate you coming on tonight and uh, doing this podcast with us. We could not be more excited than what we are to have you on uh one thing real quick the last thing i like rage about we got to get you up here for a bear or get you down here rather for a bear hunt this year if we can i know i know we talked about that was it last year yeah, yeah that was back last year and you guys hunted with the dogs right yes, yes sir. sir i mean i, I we got to make that work and i'm not saying a few years from now i mean it may still possibly work this season i mean we're just gonna have to stay in touch make it happen because i think that'd be a great thing to document you know how you guys do it out there it's definitely something that i don't know that too many people have seen no i mean we hear about it we see pictures of it but it's not something that too many people have filmed on you know how it's it's not like you know where you guys are at it's not like in in canada where you can just bait and you wait and they come out i mean you guys are out there as houndsmen i mean looking for these bears and actually pursuing them and just you know and it's it's neat and yeah, it's so. it's in your face hunting. It's exciting. It, a lot of our guys they don't like to harvest an animal unless they're basically touching it with the end of the barrel. They get yeah. right in their face. It's and, as humane as it can possibly be. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's a whole different ball game. Oh yeah. And if the trail camera pictures we're getting so far are any indication of how bear season's going to be this year, it's going to be a banner oh, year. Because yes. I mean, we are eight up with bear this year it's insane oh yes unreal it's, yeah i may have to get down there and make a quick trip and see if we can make it oh, happen yeah. so oh yeah Absolutely. If, if you, i mean it may not be this year the best time you could ever plan to come to bear hunt with us would be you know opening you know the first opening couple of days yeah in uh, october opening a bear season i mean the bears haven't been run the dogs week. are fresh and everybody's raring to go and i mean it it's insane. It's it crazy. The opening run. week is the best week of bear season that you'll have all year long. All year long. Every Hands day down. you'll get one or more bear day. Well, and you don't have to worry. It's not gotten cold yet, so you don't have to worry about the bear being dinned up yet. They're not trying to – We don't. our bear don't really hibernate. It doesn't get that cold here, but they do yeah, go yeah. into dens and just go into where they'll only come out for an hour or two a day to get a little bit of food and then just go back and lay down again. Yep. And yep. that late season, you have to worry about bear being dinned up and stuff. That early season, they're still out. They're picking berries. They're eating acorns and stuff. And it just it makes it for a target-rich environment. Like you said, it makes a lot of opportunity there. Oh, yes. And that's one thing. We don't have huge deer here, but we have some 
awesome bear. Yeah, we it got some very big old bear. Very good population. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm definitely going to be taking you guys up on that opportunity one of these years, and it may be this year. And is it beginning October, end of October? How is it? Well, that? we've got two seasons. You've got first season, which is technically the early season. It runs from uh, like mid-October or early October. Yeah, it's mid-October. The very first of November. Uh, then you've got another break, it, like it turns back into deer season, and then you've got that last season, which is like December. It's usually around the, January. Yeah, it's usually the second season is usually December twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, somewhere in that area to January first. But that first bear season is right around the middle of October. It's two weeks before Halloween, something like that. It's something where yeah, it's open for you're, like yeah, you're kind of during your October lull period as far as the Midwest rut, Midwest rut cycle goes. It's right in that period. It's right before the deer that you're hunting or will start their pre-rut stuff. It's probably a week or two weeks before that. So Yeah. yeah hopefully one of these times oh, we can yes. get it lined up to where it'll hit it just perfect for you. Yeah. Hopefully this year. You never know. But we're, we're looking really looking forward to having you come down and be able to experience that because that's something – there's nothing else like it. No, there there's nothing like it. It's it's an yeah, adrenaline rush. Some of the clips you guys posted, it just looks like an absolute blast. So. It's crazy. Oh, yes. It's it's very hard to document. I will give you that warning before. It's it's hard to yep. get a camera in there, and you <laughs> you have to be in shape. I mean, some of the guys that we hunt with, they'll take off just sprinting and they're gone. Yeah, yeah. There, there's the problem I have. It, I'm, I'm about <laughs> I'm about five three pretty well overweight and that's my problem and there's some of our episodes you'll see i'll pick the camera up and the guys that's with the dogs are a mile and a half ahead of him like well they're gone and i'm way back here trying to film i'm out of breath i'm breathing heavy i might catch them before they get to it <laughs> it's, it's fun though it's, it's it a, is a, a lot of fun oh, i bet i bet but yeah man we well, really do appreciate we, we really do sean we, we appreciate you getting on enough. with us tonight absolutely we'll definitely have to do it again and we'll definitely have to talk about getting down there and chasing some bears so yes, sir yes, well sir. best of luck uh this season if we don't get to talk to you before season starts best of luck to you we look forward to seeing you on critical mass again um uh, we're rooting for you oh yeah. and like i say we really appreciate you getting on with us tonight and hopefully we can speak with you again soon absolutely stay in touch you got it guys yes sir all right sean thanks man all yes, right sir. take care bye-bye all right bye bye All right. Well, uh, that was awesome. That was great, guys. That was Sean Lundy from Drury Outdoors, and he. What do you the say? The guy's sharp. I don't know what to say after I mean, that. I, I, I I was so quiet sitting there just trying to listen. I was just just taking it in, just listening to everything you well, had to say and about it. Any anybody in that organization? I mean, they're yes. known for their food plot strategies. They know how to kill big deer and like he was talking about with the screening it's just stuff that you hear about but it's awesome to hear it come straight out of his mouth uh but real quick let's take a break real quick we're actually real close on a recording time we're gonna hit our first our our, should be our only break and we'll be right back all right thanks guys thank you this segment of the back 40 skull sessions podcast is brought to you by bone collector game calls the official game calls of the appalachian holler hunters whether it's locator calls turkey calls or deer calls you can find all your calls at bonecollector.com Proudly made in the USA. Man, I was going down the road. Did you see all them turkeys down there at Farmer Johnson's place? Nah, man, I didn't see them. Man, there was at least 20 or 30 of them out there strutting around this morning. Really? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. We need to get on them. Well, that's right, we do. But the thing is, he won't let nobody hunt that place there. Man, that ain't no problem. 
we can get on the Onyx Hunt app. We can find who owns the properties around them, get permission to go hunt them, and get after them. Really? If I'd have known that, I'd have been on birds all over the county last year. Yeah, man, you can mark waypoints, you can see topo maps, and you can see neighboring parcels, so you can hunt all around him. So if you got that stubborn landowner that won't let you on it, find out who owns the property beside him and go hunt. Well, if that's the case, I'm going to download that thing right now. Download it, man, and get started. This segment of the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast is brought to you by Mountaineer Outfitters, the official outfitters of Appalachian Holler Hunters. Visit them online on Facebook or Instagram, or visit them in person at 65 Haynes Road in Newland, North Carolina. Open 8 to 5 Monday through Friday, 8 to 12 on Saturdays. Stop by and see them today for all your hunting and shooting sport needs. Here in the Appalachian Mountains, we are subject to some of the most drastic climate changes anywhere in the country. Whether it's hotter than blue blazes in the summertime or colder than a froze-toed rooster in the wintertime, Carhartt has you covered from head to toe. Visit Carhartt.com and see why they are the official apparel company of the Appalachian Holler Hunters. Alright guys, welcome back from the break. You are with the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast and... We're a little tore up. I mean, that was awesome. We're kind of a little speechless there. Yeah, it's something we've been planning for months, honestly. Yeah, it's Uh, been a while. We've been talking with Sean, and he's been trying to get on here with us, and we finally were able to get him on here, and it it lived up to everything we'd hoped for. Yeah, it was one of those things where you can sit and think, and we'll put it this way. We started out this morning thinking it would happen sometime during the day, yeah. And all his stuff with his mower incident and all that, we end up waiting and waiting and waiting. And I had all this time to think of these things I wanted to say and ask. And but then on, we get to talking, and then it's just yeah, everything just flows, and you hear all just just get to listen to these guys. Yeah, and, and hearing their their thoughts on this stuff. Yeah, it's just well, it's and a thing you that's on. you see people on TV, and you don't really know what you're going to think of them when you get to talk to them over the phone or in person, and it's just they're they're just like us they're just hard-working normal country people and it's just awesome to get to speak with them and that's it get to experience that firsthand it is it really really is but on a side note i mean it did take us all day but it gave me a chance to give christian some fishing lessons today so let let, we we can uh, get into that real quick we got a little bit of time (laughs) look (laughs) we're gonna start this off first off i got cheated uh huh. Got cheated. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, son. Being from being in NASCAR and stuff, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. But I got cheated. You got tripled yeah. on numbers, and probably quadrupled. All on right. What? So we go fishing today. We're we're killing time. <laughs> it's me, Shane, and we got Parker with us. He's killing time. I'm catching monsters. Look, I mean, I he, come I come to win this thing. No, we were like, let's go fishing for a little while. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to go relax, have a good time. And then next thing you know, it's full-blown competition. And Yeah, it turned into Bassmaster Elite Series tournament it's real fast. Well, real I mean, fast. it did for me. It turned into <laughs> Christian watching a Bassmaster Elite Series tournament. But Look, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of excuses I can come up with. Other there ain't than the no fact excuse. that I was stressed, hoping this all would work You were out using today. the same bait I was. Not every time. So, okay, where we're fishing, is, this is how it started. This this is what determined this whole thing. All right, guys, this is Shane talking. All right, we're here. I'm going to go up the left side. You go up the right side. It had been fished. Take after it. It hadn't been fished. The right side had not been fished. And you didn't get to the good part. But the oh, reason yeah. I was going up the left side is I had my six-year-old daughter with us. I had Parker with us. And I fully intended on not doing 
hardly any fishing and letting her go. And then from the right side, I hear one to nothing. And then a few minutes and I'm baiting Parker's hook and I'm trying to teach her how to finesse fish. She knows how to trout fish. We're working on the bass fishing. And then I hear two to nothing. And I'm, and then Parker three to nothing. And I look over and Parker's like, I think I'm going to go fish with Christian. I said, all right. I was off to a good start. You both going to learn today. We're going to make this happen now. And then it went to one to three yep. and two to three. Home three to advantage. three. I've been away. I've been living way three. off the mountain for way too long. Ten to you three. You knew what was going on. Fifteen to three. It got ugly. Hey, I got cu- close. I got back to seven the first round. Yeah, and I had fifteen or sixteen, so I just doubled you. That's whatever. And then the second round, it was more of the same. Basically. He finally started catching up after I quit and put my rod down. No, 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 no. I had fish sitting at the bank. Like we'll no, jump no, no. up and be said, on your look, team. If no, I you'll... said, look, I'm. I see where you're at. I'm going up the left side this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, kept it pretty close. Yeah, I mean, I doubled you, but... It's whatever. It's, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's whatever. All right, guys. Just well, once. Let's go back to trout fishing. I'll back to trout fishing. <laughs> we want to announce on this podcast, because hopefully this will reach a lot more people. We have a local group in the county called the High Country Sportsman's Coalition. Great group of men, group of hunters, and they like to do stuff for the children in the area to try to get them outside. They are having their 24th annual Kids Fishing Day here at Mountaineer Outfitters, Mountaineer Equipment Company in Pinola. It is on June the 19th. It will start at 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Kids 17 and under are welcome to fish. It is 100% free. The kids will have lunch provided for them. Excuse me, if they need fishing tackle or anything else, they will provide all that stuff for them. Yep. This is the event that actually got you excited about yes. being in the outdoors. Yeah, this is the event that I've talked about so many times uh, coming to as a kid. Honestly, it was the only outdoor event that I ever knew of as a, as a, as a kid. Well, it was basically the only thing around here. Right. It was the only thing there was. It's the place where I fished and I caught a good one and I got yeah. one a pocket knife. And that's what got me so tore up that I really liked it and wanted to help get get kids involved yeah and do this from the appalachian holler hunter side of things and that's why we done our youth turkey hunt this year yeah and we got a lot more stuff coming you know well and they've been doing this event way before we were able to own this property my family owns the farm that adjoins it and me and my buddies would camp up here on the hill just across the property line so we would be the first people down at the pond in the morning so we'd get our spot that's awesome we used to have i used to have three or four buddies we'd camp out up here on top of the hill as soon as it started cracking daylight we were down here and already had our stuff laid out so we'd get it's been going that long though yeah that's that's incredible that it's been going that long it is it's awesome i'm looking forward to it we get uh luckily we got to speak to them and uh we're going to be fortunate enough to they're going to let us help we're going to do some videoing we're going to do some drone shots and some other stuff so it's we're going to get a lot of awesome footage but it really is it's just a great day to have the kids out it's father's day weekend dads get your kids out they are the ones they're the reasons you get to celebrate father's day anyway so get them out take them fishing have a good time come eat some food they're doing gun raffles they'll be raffling all kinds of other stuff off for the parents and it's just it's just a good time to get out and socialize everybody's been cooped up for a year and a half and you can get out here. We've got plenty of room to social distance. You can not be close to anybody if you're worried yes. about that stuff. Big and pond. Really big Big pond. pond. Plenty it's, of room. There's plenty of room. And it's freshly stocked. And there are some monsters. We saw a couple of them today while we were just out messing around yeah. the edges of the pond. We saw one fish that conservatively, yeah, Christian about had yeah, a heart we were attack. Over, we were just kind of strolling through and walking. I looked over. I'm like, oh, my gosh. 
it was that's 30 inches plus. plus. That's a three foot fish. Fish, yeah. We oh. saw a couple that were 30 inches plus, and the I mean they were they were just huge trout. Yes, huge. I mean, probably eight or nine pound trout, huge trout. Yes. It, and I don't know if those fish have been in here because I mean I haven't spent that much time around that pond this spring, but they're huge. Yeah, they're definitely huge, and and, and not only that, there's a there's a ton of fish in general. It, you, yeah, you look out here this pond in, any time of day. Time it one minute you're going to see anywhere from ten to fifteen fish jump. Yeah, the coalition the put in a thousand pounds of trout, and before the nineteenth, the wildlife's supposed to put in five hundred more pounds. That's a lot of fish, fifteen hundred pounds of fish. Of course, a lot of them were four to five pounds is what they said what they stocked, and apparently there's some. It's like Dad said, <laughs> Big Willie that they put in <laughs> fifteen years ago. He may still be alive. Yeah. I told so, Dad, I was like, the pond has drained three times. He said, yeah, but legends never die. Big Willie may, be, may still may be still in be there. Uh, it, I got that one we saw today was Big <laughs> Willie for sure. Man, it's, every, yeah. it's everything I can do not to want to go catch it. Not to want to jump not in the jump pond. In to, you jump in down. that thing and eat your leg. It probably would. That was a big old fish. It had me <laughs> tore up. I couldn't fish. talk. I, just, I was tore up from the floor up. But it's gonna be a great it's event. gonna be a great event get your kids get out there come fish and have a good time and once again we say this after every podcast can't say it enough we want to thank all our sponsors all the people that support us We'd love to thank sean lundy for getting on here and helping us out with this that, that was just that was one of the most interesting conversations i've yes, had in a long time one of our best podcasts we've had one of the most interesting podcasts for podcast. sure but guys if you haven't already done so Get on wherever you're listening to your podcast, whether it be YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Like them, subscribe, hit that bell for the notifications. Go on to our YouTube channel, subscribe on, subscribe on YouTube, watch some of our shows, and we will be putting up more shows coming in the next week or so. So we've got a lot of things coming down the pipe right now. Oh, yeah. But. Like we mentioned in our last, ep- our last podcast, we've got a lot of stuff planned. It's just going to keep getting better and better. We're going to uh, be hitting you from more areas. We're going to have more places to watch. So, yep. But if you don't mind, get on, like, subscribe, give us a rating, write us a review, and just let us know what you think. If you have anything you want us to talk about, get on it. our social pages. Tell us what you want us to talk about. See if we can, We'll see if we can get some more guests on here. We're going to yep. keep pushing this thing as far as we can push it. So. That's it. We're going to see how far we can get with it. Something started out for fun. has already went way further than I thought it ever would. So Yeah, and we're really excited about it. We're going to be on a consistent basis from here on out. We should be able to hit every week, if not every other week. So we're going to be coming at you with some interesting stuff this summer. Oh, yeah. Stay tuned. It's going to be great. Absolutely. Well, thanks, guys, for tuning in, and you've been listening to the Back 40 Skull Session Podcast. Well, they sure as hell know me. In that mad dog town, 65 southbound, in the middle of Tennessee. Yeah, I left black marks on every turn too sharp like voodoo congenitally. This segment of the Back 40 Skull Sessions podcast is brought to you by Realtree, the official camo pattern of the Appalachian Holler Hunters. Be sure to check out Realtree's newest pattern, Realtree Timber, to stay concealed all season long. <sighs> Man, are you tired? Dude, I'm killed. Man, how can you be tired? It's opening day of turkey season. I know, we've been scouting all week. Man, take one of these rowdy energy. Hit a lot of fire under you real quick. That's better now, ain't it? Oh, yeah. Now we'll run through the woods like a madman. Like a cheetah on cocaine. Let's go get it. <laughs>